Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. And now, let's get on with the show. Freedom Friday Hour, it is Friday, the 10th of January. Friday the 10th of January. Do something a little different today, Freedom Friday, because I have two good stories. I have two good stories. So I'm going to start off with one good one in the beginning, and then I'm going to talk about a bunch of trash in the middle. Nah, not really trash. There's really only one one uh, very bad story that's going to make you cringe. That'll be the second story. So I warn you up front, that'll make you cringe. And then uh, the other ones are more tragic, tragic and weird. And then we'll end with another good story. So we got uh, a good a good balance here. We got uh, several stories, but two of them are good. And I think that's a, that's a nice way to do it. We're trying to be more balanced. I need to do that because what I was finding myself doing is just looking at the negative news, negative news, negative news. And here's, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you folks. Can I be honest with you? Can I be very transparent with you on a very personal level? Man, some of us, me, me, and, and people like me, we like, uh, kind of the weird news. We like seeing, um, you know, what's going on in the world and where it's heading and the perilous times, you know, I always like to look at it and gauge and, ah, oh, the Lord's got to be real close. You know, is, is you know, the, the coming of the Lord's got to be real close. Is that a bad thing? It, it, no, not a bad thing. It, it became, it became bad for me when, when I became so focused on the end of the world, on the end of the age and the coming of Christ, when I became more focused on that than I was the lost soul that had not come to the Lord yet, that's when I kind of crossed the line there. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, what? What? I've always been concerned with souls. You're always concerned with people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Even in this show, you know, I talk about how you need the Lord, how you need Jesus. There's only one way to God. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God made flesh who died for your sins on a cross and rose and resurrected. And now he's seated on the right side of the father. He's your high priest. When you receive the Lord into your heart, when you, when you accept that free gift of salvation, his Holy spirit enters into you. 
it starts to rejuvenate you and you start becoming a new person. The, the old person starts falling away. You start doing things differently. You start thinking things differently. It's called a sanctification process. But the legal process that happened when you received that free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ is that in the court of God, God's court is a thing called justified and you became justified. And that means, boom, you were acquitted of all your sins. All your past sins are gone. They're done because Jesus took that penalty and he paid that price in your behalf. That price was a price of death. That would have been your death. And with that, it reconciles you to Father God where you now have eternal life. It's a great deal. That's why it's called the good news. It's called the gospel, which means the good news. It is a fantastic deal because you do not have to work and earn your salvation. You can't work and earn it because someone else already did it for you and they're offering you that salvation as a free gift. I mean, it is a, a deal. You know, you look back and go, why didn't I take this earlier? Why didn't I understand this earlier? And it's because on the other side here, you have a God of this world who blinds us. They blind people to the truth of that great news. So it's imperative as Christ followers, people who are saved, being sanctified, will one day be redeemed at the return of Christ, that we tell others this good news. I mean, it's imperative. It's a command. It's not just an option. And we should be sharing the gospel and the good news with other people. Most of the time when you live a Christian life at work or at home or at school, others see the spirit in you. They, they see the difference in you, the character in you. And a lot of times that's either repelling or retracting depending on, you know, the situation. But oftentimes your life is a, a Bible that people read. It is very important to walk the walk. If you're going to talk to talk. So oftentimes what would happen People like me, we get into the news cycle and we get into weird news and we get into perilous times and we get into um, looking how close we must be to the coming of the Lord and the end of the age. And we get excited about that because we're, well, we're apocalyptics, you know, we're looking for the apocalypse. We're looking for the unveiling of Jesus Christ. We're also very eternally minded. Um, I'm very heaven minded. I, I'd leave this place in a, in a heartbeat. Just, I would leave it, um, all behind to, to wake up and be with father and not have any pain or tears or sorrow or, and, and have it to be over. You know, this, this sometimes could be a hellish nightmare. And that's good. That's the way we should be because we're not part of this world. I mean, we're, we have to live in this world, but we shouldn't be of the world. We shouldn't be worldly, you know, not concerned about the world things, but concerned about things of heaven. The more you're concerned about heavenly things, the less worldly you are. 
and that's all great. But in that, what I found sometimes is that you can forget the lost. You can forget the people who have not yet received Christ. And so you're reading these stories and you're looking up at the sky and you're seeing weird sky phenomena and you're watching weird sky phenomena on YouTube and you know, you're learning about the grand solar minimum and you know, the, 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 the mini ice age that's coming down and all this stuff. And you're going, well, the Lord's coming soon and it's going again without realizing that there are, you know, millions of, of people that are lost that, um, need Jesus. And of course you can justify and say, well, you know, who hasn't heard of Christ every Christmas, there's a baby Jesus in the storefront and, um, they, they know the gospel message. They've heard it. They were probably raised in church, blah, blah, blah. And it's easy to walk away from that and go, well, that's, you know, it's not my job. Or you could be a hardcore beard scratching Calvinist and just say, well, I was predestined. I was elected. I was pre-elected by God years and years ago. And I was predestined to become a Christian. And when he called me, it was an effectual calling. And I could not resist that grace. It was irresistible. I couldn't resist it. And so I accepted it. And so now I'm a Christian because I was made to be a Christian. And um, some of those who aren't called poo-poo on you. Who are not elected poo-poo on you. Oh, that well, that's a bad attitude. So I will go ahead and say that I'm concerned about their souls. Or say that I'm concerned about evangelism. Um, but inside, I know I'm elected and maybe you're not. And if you're not, uh, not all I can do about it. <laughs> I'm not kidding, folks. You can be a hyper-Calvinist and believe that way. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. You can also believe um, <sighs> you see a sinner's prayer and you're good to go. I'm once saved, always saved. Now, believe me, I believe in preservation of the saints. I believe that the Holy Spirit seals you until the day of redemption. I also believe that Jesus Christ, who begins a good work in you, is able to complete it until the day of redemption. But I also believe there are people who besmear the name of Christ and walk away from the cross and who are never saved in the first place that the seed falls on stony ground or rocky ground or around the pathway and never takes root. I also believe there are people, as Jesus says on judgment, they will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and do that? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? He said, I didn't know you. The religion doesn't cut it. And so it's hard to tell a lot of times. It's hard to cut through the religion and see, who really is saved and who really isn't. And the Lord gave us one way to do that. It's just by their fruits. You'll know them by their fruit. So if you're walking around scratching your beard going, well, I'm elected and predestined. I don't know about those other people. I don't think that's very good fruit. So we can get kind of sidetracked on this. And, and it, it, to be honest with you, they kind of got like that with me just so concerned uh, with the news every day. And I'd get up every day, and the first thing I'd do is, you know, open up the news and, you know, my news feeds and go to my favorite places and look, 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 look. And before you knew it, you know, there's an hour, hour and a half gone by. 
uh, you know, just getting the, the news, throwing them on the Facebook and, you know, talk about them later on in the show and this and that. And before I knew it, I looked back and I go, oh man, I don't have a whole lot of time to study the scripture I'd like to look at or this passage of the Bible for, but I'm going to do a Monday show. So I'll, I'll uh, you know, Saturday, I'll look at that Saturday. You know, I, I won't do any news on Saturday or Sunday, you know, I just going to, you know, do the Bible. And so I, I, I limited my time and Ooh, I'm not, now I'm looking at that and I got to prepare for that Monday show, you know, so I got to kind of look at that, that biblical passage a little deeper, but now I'm not really praying, but God knows I pray all the time. I, I don't really need to set a certain time aside to pray because well, I pray in the shower. I I pray when I'm driving my car. I, I pray all the time because I'm just holy. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's true. And I, that's exactly what I did. But what I realized recently is that when you need a miracle, your life changes. When you need God to move miraculously in your life, you start thinking differently. Your priorities change. When things around you become matters of life and death, things change. And so what I found myself doing is a lot less news searching and, and more and more soul searching. And I found myself doing less and less extra biblical reading and more biblical reading. And then I found myself doing less and less mental contemplation and more pleading at the throne of God for mercy and for wisdom and for grace. Um, and so things change and in, in, in your circumstances do change the way you approach your life, ministry, your podcast, whatever. So that's why I think a more balanced approach for me is, is better. That's why instead of just looking at all the negative news, if I can find a good couple, couple stories of good news, it kind of balances out. And if you notice on the Facebook page too, I'll have the horrible stories like I always do, but I also have uh, one or two good stories. Also have uh, Pastor Lee's podcast up there almost on a daily basis, his little, you know, three or four minute podcast that I produce that's always positive and uplifting as well as, you know, links to our show. And so that is a more uh, balanced fifth hook media than it was in the past. All right. Okay. So first story, the first, the first good story here. This is from the Western Journal. It's the moment man stops to pray for police officer captured a viral photo. And what, what they don't do is they don't, they don't put the, the, the racial implications in this, but the young man praying is a young African man, and he's praying for a white police officer. And um, which even makes it more special, given the attitude 
that's been promoted by the uh, satanic left here in America as of late. So this is law enforcement officers put their lives on the line every day. In addition to facing threats of violence, they regularly come into contact with our society's most heartbreaking and traumatic circumstances and do so with strength and courage. Like any person who steps into a position of authority, the police may also find themselves the target of public scrutiny. Is that the truth? Well, some days are easier than others, but for their families, the knowledge that these brave men and women are inviting danger into their lives on a daily basis can make peace and faith hard to come by. On September 21st, there was an officer in DeLand, Florida, and he got a little extra encouragement after a young man stopped to pray for him, asking for safety and protection. While standing at the counter of a Zaxby's restaurant, Officer Cameron Tucker of the Volusia County Sheriff's Office started chatting with a young man named Juan O'Neill as they waited on their meals. Like I said, Juan O'Neill is a African-American. The officer is white, at least by the photos. That's what it looks like. Well, Officer Tucker didn't think much of the interaction at first. But a few moments later, the 21-year-old approached Tucker's table while he was eating with his wife and asked to pray for him. The officer said, yeah. And O'Neill placed a hand on his shoulder and began to pray. Quote, tonight was a night that I will never forget, Tucker's wife, Justine Tucker, wrote on Facebook. She posted a photo of the exchange that quickly went viral garnering thousands of likes and shares as people found encouragement in a simple gesture. Quote, this picture is a reminder of God's constant love and perfect timing, she said. After crying my eyes out, we got to have an amazing conversation with this gentleman. He was on fire for God. Let me, let me, come on. Let me repeat that. He was on fire for God. He wasn't sitting around, scratching his beard, thinking about <laughs> if some were predestined, maybe I would have elected me. You know, he was, he, well, you know, should I go to church? Should I? He, he was on fire for God. You know what that means? That means he had developed his personal relationship with his deity. He was yoked with his deity. He wasn't doing yoga to another deity. He was yoked to the right deity. And because he's yoked to the right deity and he has relationship, he comes off to others as being on fire for God. Now, you don't just walk up to a cop who's eating a meal with his wife and ask to pray for him unless you're moved by the Spirit. And that's my other point. The Holy Spirit lives in this young man because he accepted the free gift of salvation. The spirit of Christ lives in him. Therefore, he acts as the spirit moves and guides him. It's simple. So to deny the Holy Spirit is to deny actions like this. And you become a boob. You become just a big Christian blob like all the rest of them. 
Just put on your little miter hat and go back to your Episcopalian church and shut up. He was on fire for God, she says, and you could feel God's presence in the room. He's at a Zaxby restaurant. Hello? Hello? He said that he had felt compelled to talk to us and pray over Cameron. He felt compelled. What do you think was compelling this young man? Uh, his Facebook page, his Twitter account. Uh, oh, maybe it was Beyonce, uh, you know, dancing in the latest video. What do you think was inspiring this guy? It was a Holy Ghost. It was God. It was, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Something we don't have anymore today. Something we, we don't recognize. Oh, I'm on fire. The police officer later said that the act of kindness meant a lot to him and had renewed his faith. You see what happens when you move in the spirit and you have relationship with God and you're walking in the spirit and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It renewed somebody's faith during a time when he needed refreshment. Hello. This kid didn't know that. He didn't know this guy's life. He didn't know what was going on. He said, we could, use, we could use all the prayer and help that we can get. I couldn't be more thankful that he stopped by that day. O'Neal, the, the kid, 21-year-old kid, he's a son of a law enforcement officer, said that he had just felt God calling him to offer the Tuckers support and help in a public restaurant. I really just wanted to let him know that I see him and that I appreciate his service because my dad has gone through a lot and I see a lot on the news. I just wanted to go and just encourage them and just be a light. You see, what's happening here, he was ready. He was ready. This kid woke up and said, Lord, my will, your will, my purpose, your purpose. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you have me to do. Opportunity pops up. You let me know. I move by the Holy Spirit. I walk in the Spirit. He's 21 years old, full of fire, on fire for God. Huh. The photo resonated with thousands online, reminding people that a small act of kindness could have a huge impact O'Neill's simple prayer served to remind the Tuckers that even in the midst of the greatest challenges, they are never alone. He said, God is there for us. So we don't know what the, uh, what the Tuckers were going through. We have no idea. But God knew, and he used this young man. That's a good story. And that act, that one act, he had no idea, was then... Recorded by the wife, put on her Facebook page, and it went viral. The, a bunch of people saw it. It's on uh, Western Journal Lifestyle. In fact, I think it was on Fox, too. That gives the devil a black eye. And I even hate to talk about this next story after talking about a good story like this. This is the worst story of the day. This is horrible. <laughs> God forgive me for even having to talk, even talking about this, but you'll from one end to the next, 
I won't spend too much time on it, but just so that you know, we need people like Cameron. We need people um, on fire for God uh, that are willing to move and work for him. And here's, here's why. Accused cannibal eats part of a grinder date hanging from his ceiling, Michigan cops say. Those of you who don't know, Grindr is a dating app for homosexuals and whatnot. Uh, easy sex with strangers is what it is. Disturbing details have emerged in the case of a Michigan man who allegedly killed his Grinder date. Uh, the guy's name was Kevin Bacon, the victim, not the actor, not the actor. He was reported missing when he didn't show up for breakfast with his family on Christmas Day. It wasn't long before his car was found outside Family Dollar. His wallet, phone, clothes inside. The day before Bacon, who was a hairstylist, had told a friend he was meeting up with a man he had met on a dating app, Grinder. Later that evening, Bacon texted his friend that he was having fun. It would be out for a while, according to the outlets. Early on December 28th, police found Bacon's body in 50-year-old Mark Lutunsky's Morris area home. He was arrested and charged with open murder and mutilation of a human body. Um, according to court documents, police found Bacon hanging naked from the rafters by his ankles in the guy's house. Police said Lutunsky confessed to killing Bacon by stabbing him in the back, slicing his throat, he told police he had cut off Bacon's testicles with a knife before eating them. Uh, the month before, police had responded to this guy's home after a man, 29 years old, was seen running from the home with blood on his face, wearing only a leather kilt. The man didn't want to press charges, and following an investigation, police determined no crime had been committed. Latuski is expected back in court on... Uh, well, January 8th. Yeah. So I got a picture of this guy on our Facebook page. You should see him. He's, he's got this, um, well, he looks like a mountain man, this big old long beard, uh, crazy guy. But his eyes are, are his eyes are, are gleefully, glee, you know, he's got this smirk on his face. Um, uh, it's, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, the, the depth of demonic uh, possession and, uh, yeah, it's horrible. So I apologize for you to have to do that story after such a first start. But like I said, trying to contrast uh, both sides, good and bad, and try to keep more balanced. Uh, if all I did was grinder stories like that, uh, we'd all go crazy. This is from the Daily Star. This stuff used to be a big deal. It's not a big deal, at least not to me anymore. It's like it's all over the place. Gigantic triangle UFO spotted above Texas days after New York sighting. Whoop-de-doo. The huge object slowly moved across the night sky on New Year's Day, and it bears a startling similarity to a so-called UFO seen above the U.S. state of New York just days before. And it is. It's a big old triangle. Three-like triangle. Looks like a craft. You know, we don't know. Huge triangle-shaped UFO has been filmed hovering above Texas just days after a similar one recorded in New York. It's a bizarre video taken in Houston on New Year's Day. It shows three bright lights slowly moving across the night sky. 
They seem to remain in perfect triangular formation, sparking claims that from some believers they actually formed one single craft. Uh, the clip was initially shared by Stephanie Westerfield on YouTube, where she said, not sure what these lights are. It has since picked up by numerous conspiracy channels, sparking a frenzy among viewers. One person who saw the strange video commented, it is a strange triangle-shaped craft like many that are being seen all over the world. Um, some have suggested it could be a TR-3B spy plane. I have no idea what that is. Oh, I guess it's the Black Manta is the name of a surveillance plane of the United States Air Force. And it has supposed to be supersonic stealth spy plane with a triangular design. Well, it's not very stealthy if people can film it and see it and put it on YouTube. Now, is it? I think they need to work on their stealthiness. To add more mystery to the shape, another triangle UFO was apparently caught on camera above the village of Ilion in New York State. They saw a red orb being dropped from the object moments before they started recording. What they did capture show a line of three white lights in a triangle moving across the sky. Some people thought it was kites or drones. Like, sure, we have nothing else to do on New Year's Day just to go fly a kite in Ilion, New York. Yeah, that's a good answer. You, you just stupid or what? Now, we don't know what these are, but they're not a kite. Give me a break. But there's, it's so common now. They're, they're everywhere. And then they don't seem to do anything. They don't come down. They don't pick people up. I don't know. What, what are they? What do they do? What is it? A distraction? I don't know. Spend all your time talking about that. You're not reading the word of God. You're not praying for people. You're not doing the work of the Lord. UFOs, they're fine. Let's not get too wrapped up in them, though. I did it one time in my life. And... Uh, I almost got caught up in it really bad. You all know the story. <laughs> I had to repent, man. Uh, this is tragic. I, I I don't know how many people ended up dying. I think of this story, only one died. I shouldn't say only one. That's a life that died. That's tragic. Uh, but the, the picture, the damage is incredible. Um, and it's, it's sad. It's a 6.4 quake. It struck Puerto Rico. Uh, amid heavy seismic activity at this was just the other day. Um, thousands of people, thousands of people fled their homes in Puerto Rico's Southwest coast. This was Tuesday. They had a 10 day string of earthquakes that crescendoed into a powerful magnitude 6.4. And it did kill one man. Um, and it injured eight people sent buildings tumbling to the ground. The pictures are incredible. Um, I mean, the damage, amazing. It was a pre-dawn quake. It cut power to the entire U.S. territory. Seismologist says there was no way of knowing when the series of quakes would cease. I guess they kept having these seismic quakes afterwards. A lot of people were um, afraid of collapsing buildings or tsunami. Uh, one guy uh, moved out of a cracked home, had four children, packing mattresses, a refrigerator, set of curtains, their clothes, and two little pig. Folks, you know, here in America, we don't know. You know, you know, you just don't realize. I know it's American territory, but you know, you still have people. Live. This one guy said, I'm stringing up my hammock. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
we get upset if the power goes out, you know, the, the you know, the power company turns the, 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 the electricity out for a couple hours, man. I'm out there firing up a generator, cooking hot dogs on my barbecue. You know, I got to have my coffee. What do they think of turning the power off? You know, I'm spoiled. I can't imagine this. Nine-year-old son says, what do I do with this? Holding a tiny pink bucket with a pet fish that survived the earthquake. He was told, we need to go because if not, we can end up falling down here. They're on a second story of their home and it was all messed up. Most of the damage occurred in, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it, three stories, school collapsed. Uh, and it was preparing to start a 12-hour shift. Wow. Uh, a lot of people said, I'm not right emotionally. I don't want to fill another one. There was no electricity, no power, nobody to protect themselves. Authorities said two plants suffered a light damage. Uh, power plants suffered light damage. Expected the power to be restored later uh, Tuesday. Just a mess, man. Uh, they're talking, the, the size of this quake, folks, is an event that Puerto Rico hasn't experienced in 102 years. And now you're talking about something you can't even predict. So it has, it has been 100, 102 years since something like this happened. And now it happens and you can't even say it's going to happen. You know, I mean, it's amazing. There's no running water. There's no nothing. I guess the, the, the last one that hit, um, October 1918, a magnitude 7.3 struck the island's northwest coast and it it caused a tsunami. That one killed 116 people. Whew. Wow. Anyway, uh, it goes on and on. So shoot a prayer out for those folks there. And if you know somebody there, my goodness, reach out to them. All right, let's see. Take a short break and then I'll do one last story. And then that'll be it. All right. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. All right, I'm back. Seeing you on the battlefield. Ain't that that truth? All right, this is from Western Journal also. Sent to me by my good friend Juan Montero. Juan Montero. The most mysterious man you could ever know. But he sent me this and others like it. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Juan. 
Man says God told him to give stranger a car, his car, after he saw her walking to work in the cold. Are you kidding me? Check this out. This is in Tennessee. A Tennessee woman now has a vehicle to call her own, thanks to the kindness of a stranger who gifted her his car on Christmas Eve. Now, I got to tell you, the, the, the woman, by the picture, I don't want to insult her, but by the picture, she looks like she may be in her mid to late 40s. And the guy who gave her the car has to be early 20s. What I, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is like, it's not a, like a love cheese thing. This is like a real thing. This ain't, oh, you know, she's a good looking chick and I'm going to give her my car. You know, this ain't that. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. Michelle Wilson was accustomed to walking to and from work. On Christmas Eve, it was no different. She had to work. Wilson walked down the street on her way to work. It's cold on Christmas Eve. And this stranger pulled up beside her and he offered her a ride. The driver was a man named Alan Clark. And he had been at a friend's house on Christmas Eve when he spotted Wilson walking in the cold. So he must have been with his friend in the car because here's, here's what he says in quotes. We offered her a ride. And we just got to talking and then the rest is history. So I'm, I'm interjecting this, but I imagine she probably got in the car because she knew the neighbor. I can't imagine just getting in the car with a stranger, but that's me. But anyway, it worked out. After Clark dropped Wilson off at work, he felt a prompting in his heart that he said came from God. Once again, what is that prompting? What, what is that? What is that? Why? What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. The guy's full of the Holy Ghost. See, he's in line. He, his life, he, he aligned his day <laughs> with the will and purpose of God. And so he says, I'm in line with God. And because he, he did that, he was able to hear God in his heart. He was able to hear the Holy Spirit prompting to do something. And here's what he says. He goes, quote, he goes, I believe God was telling me, give her your car. He says, because I didn't need it anymore. I just got a, a new car. Later on, he says, I, I was going to sell this car. I can use the money. But, you know, I, I just got to, I did just get another car. Clark found the title to the vehicle. And then he drove back to Wilson, who was still working, by the way. When a woman burst inside the building to announce that someone was waiting outside to see her. Here's what she says. She says, I was at work and this girl comes in and she's like, there's somebody out there in the parking lot who wants to see you. So I went out there and he was out there and my neighbors were out there with smiles. So I went and he got her neighbors too. Clark stood there with the title in hand, ready to give Wilson a very generous Christmas present. He says, I want to give you this car. As Wilson stood there in disbelief, Clark insisted his, officer, his offer was quite serious. He says to her, you will walk no more. And so then Clark signs the title over to her that very moment. 
knowing in his heart that he had obeyed the voice of God. I like that. Knowing in his heart that he had obeyed the voice of God. Knowing in his heart that he had obeyed the voice of God. When you're aligned, you can hear the voice of God. Some people say, I've never heard God. How do you know when God's talking to you? I don't know. Get aligned. Get your life aligned in the biblical principles. Be aligned. What's God's purpose? Your purpose. What's God's will? Your will. Become aligned. If you get under that covenant, under that umbrella, you can hear. You can move. You can be used. You could be a vessel. He's not looking for... Well, he has all the talent in the world. He has everything he can use. He's looking for usable. He's looking for willing vessels. Okay? God's going to bless this young man. It's obvious he's going to be blessed. It's obvious. But look at the glory God gets. Look at the story goes out. Look at this. It goes out. People read this. See what I'm saying? In this dark, nasty world, they get to read this too. They get to hear about this too. Clark says, selling the car would have helped him out, but he knew in his heart, he knew in his heart, it would have helped. He tells her it would have helped you out more. So Wilson plans to drive the car for as long as she can, probably for the rest of her life. Now the two strangers have now become friends. They're bonded over a car ride that changed both their lives. She says, it's hard to believe somebody would do that for a total stranger. Now, we don't know. We don't know the Christian status of Wilson. We don't know what this lady thinks about God or Christ or the free gift of salvation or what God thinks of her. We don't, we don't know anything by that story. Uh, but if we were to assume that she didn't, well, now she sees one of God's people, one of God's chosen nation acting in his behalf for her benefit. What do you think that might do? To her wanting to hear more of the good news. And if she already knew the good news, what do you think that does for her praise to the awesome God she serves? And we can go on and on, on and on about the results of this. So anyway, two good stories, one to start, one to end. Got some sad tragedy, some weird and horrible demon stuff in the middle, but not too bad for a Freedom Friday. All right, folks. All right. We will talk to you later. You guys have a blessed rest of the weekend and good night. (laughs) 